So God does not judge us according to our performances. The capacity to receive comes with so much grace because you know for sure that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. He shall supply, he speak upon it. You are identified by the blood of Jesus. The blood that was shed at the cross. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. He became that sin offering. So why are you still talking about sin, sin, sin? That is a wrong doctrine. By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He has perfected you. You have no sin. Once Christ is the central focus of who you are and your life, your identity changes, your mindsets change, your thinking, your living, because now you believe in right, you're living right through him. Wake up and unwind your day. Réveillez-vous et commencez votre journée avec Bioka, On a heart for a soul. Your word is truth. It sanctifies a soul with your truth. Your word is truth. For a soul, a heart for a soul. The light and warm your spirit in the dark or the cold. Healing what was broken, turn them parts to a whole. Heart for a soul, a heart for a soul. Yeah. Jesus Christ, way truth and the life for our souls, paid the price, the ultimate sacrifice, what a love, while we get sin for death, we were destined, he stepped in, his water and his blood was the cleansing laws, we were found, what's in a bound, grace abound, what a passion, a piece of passing, all understanding, where God's love is present, all condemnation is passed in, for a soul, a heart for a soul, the light and warm your spirit in the dark or the cold healing what was broken turn them parts to a whole heart for a soul a heart for a soul Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and your love, your grace, your mercies, your love and youth forever, which we live in and abide in. We thank you, King of King, Lord of Lords, King of Righteousness, King of Glory. That without you, Lord, we wouldn't have reconciliation with God the Most High. But we thank you, our High Priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, that as we come to our God, we come through you. And it's through you, you who is our mediator, our intercessor, the one who loves us, the one who shed his blood for us. And we live in your newness. We live in that life, the eternal life, the hope of glory. We thank you today for every single blessing you're pouring in our lives, every single aspect of our lives. We thank you that you're opening doors that no man can ever close. We thank you that you're organizing every single thing, every single aspect in our lives. We thank you for Lord Jesus Christ that you're making a way where there is no way. And we thank you for big and mighty things you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray and say, Amen. Isaiah 32 1 says that behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule with justice. This scripture will primarily guide us through the Holy Spirit in what I will be teaching today. 
This was written during the time of prophets. During the prophetic dispensation, prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah prophesied about the coming of the king of righteousness. So these prophets rejoiced in the glory of the Messiah who would be Jesus Christ and his bride, which is the church in the new covenant. I love what it is written in Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. It says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. I love the fact in verse 3, right? How it says that he gives us that garment of praise. Amen? For the spirit of heaviness. Have you ever been in a moment when you're having praise and worship and honoring the Lord in reverence and in spirit? Amen? There's that spirit that is taken off you. The spirit of heaviness. The spirit of strife. The spirit of struggle. The spirit that is of the world. And that is the spirit Prophet Isaiah was prophesying that would come forth to the children of God. And I love the fact that he considers the children of God as the trees of righteousness. He's considering the believers who would come that they are considered and known as the trees of righteousness. I love the fact that the verse continues to say that the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Amen. That he may be glorified. And who was this going to be glorified? So now, when Prophet Isaiah was proclaiming this prophecy, he was speaking of the coming of salvation through the King of Righteousness. He was proclaiming about the coming of Jesus Christ in the new covenant. Hallelujah. Isaiah 61, 11 says that for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. You know, in the new covenant, Jesus Christ is the king of righteousness, proclaimed to the Jews and the Gentiles. I love the fact that he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it's only through him that even Jews and Gentiles, right? We would all go through him to acquire the gift of salvation, which he actually brought to us through the good tidings of the gospel of peace. So the dominion of Jesus Christ's reign went to all corners, all corners of the world. And actually today, as we speak, as I speak today, this gospel has been spoken in Africa, in Europe, in Asia, in America. All the continents have come to know that one name. The name that is above every name. The name that is beyond. The name that is greater. And this is how, child of God, we see that what the prophets mentioned or what they prophesied in the dispensation of the prophets, we are living in it right now. Hallelujah. I love what it is written in Isaiah 9. From 9 to 13, let's read. It says that rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout. 
O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. This is another prophet, a prophet Isaiah. He's telling us that the king is coming to you. And who is that king? That king is Jesus Christ, the king of righteousness. Hallelujah. And the scripture father says that he is just and having salvation. Many of us know that his resurrection justified us. As today we are considered to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because we are justified by faith toward God. So it is according to these prophecies that we come to see the king of righteousness. It happened. What we saw in Zechariah 9, it happened. Remember before the crucifixion, Jesus Christ came in the city of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. It is written in John. And he came on a donkey. He was riding on a donkey as he entered into Jerusalem. And people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. They were proclaiming and decreeing that he is the king of righteousness. And they were giving glory unto God for his son had come. And salvation was at that moment coming. So in Genesis 3, the very first time we are introduced to a king who interacted with Abraham, we find that that is the very first time we see the king of righteousness. It is written in Genesis 14, 18 to 24. This is the very first time we see the king, the king of righteousness being spoken about. And I want you to pay close attention as it is written in Genesis 14, right? In the Bible, it says this. Let's read from Genesis 14, 18 to 24. And it says that then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread of a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abraham rich, except only what the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men who went with me, Anna, Eskol, and Amre, let them take their portion. So this passage unveils very important things that I really want to talk about, right? Number one, it is talking about a king of Salem. And the king of Salem means the king of peace. It means the king of righteousness. As we've read this passage, we come to a place and realize that there are two fundamental revelations we must receive by the grace of God. The very first time the king of righteousness is mentioned. There is always something deeper when the law of first mention is shown in scriptures. And this is the very first time we see Abraham meeting the king of Salem. Amen. Just to give a recap of what really happened in this chapter. We come to a place where we see Abraham meeting king of Salem. But before that, Abraham had gone to rescue his nephew, Lot. Lot had been taken captive when there was a battle between the kings. 
So Lot having been taken, actually they took his goods, they took his family, they took some of the people who worked with him. But as Abraham went to rescue Lot, he came back with everything. He rescued Lot, he brought back the goods, he brought back the people who belonged to Lot. Amen. So in this passage that we just read in Genesis 14, 18 to 24, we're seeing that Abraham meeting someone very significant. And later, this same person is being talked about in Hebrews 7. So the two fundamental aspects that we can learn from this passage in Genesis 14 is that King of Salem, when he met Abraham, he offered him bread and wine. Which means that he offered holy communion to Abraham. Genesis 14, 18. Let's first go back. It says that then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And he was the priest of the most high God. And the second aspect I want to talk about again is that Abraham, in return, gave a tithe of the proceeds from which he received from the battle. And he offered them to the king of Salem. Genesis 14, 19, 20 says this. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So in the new covenant, I don't want you to forget. Carry that same passage that I have, by the grace of God, explained in Genesis 14. Carry the same message. And when we come... In the new covenant, under the book of Hebrews, we see that the king of Salem is revealed to us. He's made known to us as the king of righteousness, who is also known as Melchizedek, the priest of the most high God who blessed Abraham with wine and bread, was and is the king of righteousness. Hebrews 7, 2-4 says as to whom also Abraham gave a tithe part of all, First being translated king of righteousness. So meaning that the king of Salem in Genesis 14, in the new covenant, he is being revealed to us as the king of righteousness in Hebrews 7. And the scripture father says, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days, no end of life, but made like the son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tithe of the spoils. So the scripture is really unveiling something very, very important, child of God. It is unveiling that before the old covenant, which came by Moses, the old covenant came by Moses, but Abraham offered a tithe to the king of Salem before the law was in place. Amen. So the law covenant came after Abraham, as we all know that, right? But now in this passage, in these two passages, as we've seen in Genesis 14 and Hebrews 7, they're unveiling something very revelational, something that is really hidden, that by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is revealing to us so that we see the king of righteousness, so that we see Jesus even before the law. And I love the fact that in John 5, he was talking to the Jews and he told them, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. Meaning that he was there from the beginning of the days, beginning of creation. And Abraham himself offered a 
tithe to him. And tithe is a worship. It is honoring. It shows reverence. So Abraham offered the tithe to king of Salem before the law covenant, which was not in place then. Which means that tithe, child of God, listening in, dear listener, tithe is a revelation to those who are under the covenant of grace. Abraham was under the covenant of grace. Abraham lived before the law was given. The law came through Moses. The law never came through Abraham. And that is why it is very important for us children of God, believers under the grace covenant, to know that in the New Testament, we see that commonality between the king of righteousness. Amen. We see that the king of righteousness only blesses. He does bless. Here we are in the Old Testament, we're shown that the king of righteousness, who is king of Salem, the very first thing he did was to give bread and wine to Abraham. So the king of righteousness always blesses his children and he always blesses the children of God. He gives and supplies. And importantly, if you notice in the scriptures, Abraham had to give back as an act of worship. Not that he had to do it, but he honored. He honored meeting king of Salem. He honored meeting king of righteousness. So Abraham offered the tithe as a worship, as honor to God, the most high. He honored it in a way by he was honoring him, thanking him for delivering him from all his enemies. And that is why he offered a tithe. So child of God, dear listener. Something I pray that you really understand today is that the king of righteousness gives us that grace opportunity for us to receive from God through his holy communion, through his body and blood. And in reality, when we bring that in the new covenant, it means Jesus's body and blood. If you are a believer and some of these two things, you don't consider them frequently and revelationally in your life every day then there is something missing. There is something, there's a piece missing. And I pray that we receive this because tithing is revelational. Tithing is not something someone can force you on. Someone can say, you have to do it, you have to do it. Tithe is worship. And any Christian or a believer who has understood the revelation of tithe, they will always tithe their money. Even if it's little, even if it's big, they honor the Lord with their tithe. Because it's from that that we get to say that this is your provision. It's only you who provided for me. And just like how Abraham said in Genesis 14, he gave unto God, going back to Genesis 14, 19 to 20. And he gave and said that you have delivered me from the enemies. His enemies, he delivered him from the hand of the enemies. And many times when we receive this and know that it's not something we have to do in an obligation manner or we have to do it in a manner that is of legalistic, it becomes worship. Amen. It becomes worship. Hallelujah. So Abraham offered the tithe as a worship and honor unto God. And the same should be for us, child of God, under the grace dispensation. Hallelujah. So if you really clearly see in Genesis, we see that there's that common purpose which involves worshiping, proclaiming and testifying that you're greater, God, you're greater. But in the same time, when we come to the new covenant, the same applies. 
even under grace child of God, and most especially even in these moments, in these situations, in the times that we are living in, tithe is important. If you're in a church right now and God has placed you in, a, in your church, right? A local church and you're in, God has planted you in that place. Give a tithe. Always honor the Lord with your tithe. Because once we place our tithe in the work of God, not only are we saying that the word we're receiving in that place you're honoring the Lord for the word that you're receiving. But then at the same time, you're telling him it's all through your provision that I can be able to be blessed. Hallelujah. I pray that by the grace of God that we really do understand that. So, and I pray that as we grow in grace, not to always look at some of these deep revelation and we say, okay, if I'm under grace, I don't think I have to do that. I think that is a ritual act or this, but study the word, go back to the scriptures, ask yourself, what does the scripture say? Was this written under this dispensation? Because there was that prophetic dispensation. There was the law dispensation. There is the grace dispensation. You have to know when was this Abraham dispensation? You have to know. Amen. So when you see Something is written under the scriptures and it's under a dispensation that you as a child of God or the covenant that you live in and walk in and dwell in, then that was written for you. So child of God, worshiping and proclaiming and testifying Jesus Christ as our high priest according to the order of Melchizedek can be shown in the two fundamental aspects we've seen in Genesis 14 and Hebrew 7. I love what it is written in Psalm 1104. It says that the Lord has sown and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So under the grace covenant, we recognize the two fundamental revelations as the evidence. When I say the two fundamental revelations, I mean the revelation of King of Salem giving bread and wine to Abraham and Abraham offering a tithe to the King of Salem. So the two fundamental revelations that I'm, I'm talking about is the Holy Communion and tithe and which in reality, child of God, in the new covenant, they work hand in hand. Let me say this, right? Something to bring so much clarity to many of us listening in today. Tithing is a declaration that Jesus Christ is the source of your provision. When you tithe, you're remembering him as your power of provision. You're remembering Jesus Christ as your only source of receiving anything. So tithing is a form of giving back just like Abraham did, right? When he won that battle, when he won and went and got his nephew lot his goods and his people that signified that it was not in his own ability nor was his performance but he did it through the grace of God which was offered to him and as a thanks he came to king of Salem with an offering which was a tithe and that is why child of God, actually, let me say something that is going to be very, very important for you to take home. Even when you're tithing, always do it with a happy heart, a merry heart. Because once you're giving it from a place of thanksgiving, 
then it becomes worship. Hallelujah. So the one thing we should understand is that tithe works under the covenant of grace. I've had so many people say, people who are grace believers, and they say, I'm not really so sure about giving tithe. I mean, Jesus paid it all for us, so now I don't tithe. But listen, the scriptures are clearly showing us from Genesis and coming back in Hebrew 7, and they clearly show us that tithing is very important. Tithing is beyond us. Actually, it is that declaration. It is that place where you honor Christ. And I believe someone can say, do you mean evangelist? I can't honor the Lord. I can't honor God through other ways. Yes, you can. But remember, I say tithing is revelational. It's not something you can force on someone. Just like salvation. Salvation, no one forced you to be saved. But by the grace of God, you became saved through faith. And the same applies here. These two fundamental revelations that I'm opening up your eyes to through the gospel of righteousness, you see that without these two, that meeting between Abraham and the king of Salem wouldn't have been fulfilled. But the meeting was fulfilled. And so the same applies to us. And I just love the fact that king of Salem offered him bread and wine, which is holy communion in the new covenant. Holy Communion declares the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and it brings us, we as believers under the Grace Covenant, to the remembrance of the fulfillment of the remissions of sin. So again, these two have met Christians who don't believe in taking Holy Communion. They say that that's a ritual. But if it's a ritual, why would the early church in Acts 2 consider taking Holy Communion? Why would it be one of the very, very important things that we as children of God must consider to take into consideration? Amen. Can I say something that is very, very important, child of God? In John 6, 55, Jesus said that for my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. If Jesus was not seeing how important that was for us believers, right? He wouldn't have mentioned, he wouldn't have had that last supper saying that drink, right? That we should drink of the cup in remembrance of him. Amen. So we, by the grace of God, we must lay a hold of the revelation of the Holy Communion as one of the very, very important application and practical understandings and knowledge that we need today in this world. Today, as we walk as Christians, we, by the grace of God, through faith, walk and consider this very important. Amen? So, it is that important that, child of God, we eat of the flesh of Jesus and we drink of the blood which gives us eternal life. This is something that we must consider also. Once we learn to take Holy Communion and separate the two, separate the bread, which signifies the body of Christ, and separate the cup, which signifies the blood of Jesus. Child of God, that means that we're going to always have that remembrance, that honor of Jesus Christ, what he went through. You will start to see his beatings as something that was important for you. You will start to see the scourging that he went through as something that was important for you. You will start to see that the life that he went through was for you. All the sufferings that he endured 
they were for you. You start to see his body, not just as seeing it, but you see it in revelational way, in a revelational knowledge. And you know that for sure he was beaten. He went through the sufferings for you. And that is where the love of God really grows more and more because you're starting to see what Jesus Christ did for you. And also when you separate and see that revelation of Christ being on the cross, the blood he shed for you and what it really, really meant and how it demonstrated the love of God for you and I, then child of God, you start to take Holy Communion with thanksgiving. You start to break bread. You partake of that cup knowing that everything you're doing, you're doing it in remembrance of Christ. So which takes me back to what I was saying. How the two aspects, the tithing and Holy Communion are very, very important. Because when you look back in Genesis 14, Abraham was blessed by the king of righteousness. Remember I say that king of Salem means peace. And also in Hebrews 7, let's go back. It says that for this Malchizedek, the king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness. So that means that we as heirs of Abraham, because the Bible says that we are heirs of Abraham in Galatians 3.16, it says, And now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one unto your seed who is Christ. So we became the heirs, we became the seed of Abraham through Jesus Christ. Amen. So in other words, we as the heirs, the seed of Abraham by the promise of God through Jesus Christ, today under the new covenant, we became the believers who are blessed by the king of righteousness. Hallelujah. So no matter who you are, as long as you're under salvation, you walk by the grace of God. Your life is embedded in grace. You have the same promise. The promise that Abraham received through the blessing of king of righteousness, the same. We also receive the same. Galatians 3, 29 says that, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So child of God, consider yourself very blessed. As Abraham was blessed and he was a father of nations, the same really applies to us. As long as you start to see yourself as that hair, the blessing that was on Abraham, that you speak it upon your life and it goes in your children's 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 children, then child of God, you have acquired that revelation. Because there is that connection that enables the believers under the grace covenant to receive the same blessing of Abraham by faith. And that connection is Jesus Christ. He is the one who connected us to the blessing of Abraham. And I find this really, really, really interesting because once you think about in Galatians 3, 7, it actually says that therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. As we walk in that faith, as we walk in the faith of salvation, the faith of justification, right? We know that the blessings that we acquire today came from our forefathers and our forefathers were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the same that happened to them, it happens to us today. 
We're taking over nations. And it doesn't matter what you're doing, child of God. I may be talking to a business person. I may be talking to a lawyer. I may be talking to a teacher. I may be talking to an entrepreneur. I may be talking to a minister. But this is the time we must see by the revelation of God that the promises of God are working. Even the gospel that we're preaching, it goes to nations. Because, you know why? We are under the blessing of Abraham. If the blessing of Abraham took him to nations, he became a father of nations. Meaning that the blessing that was upon him and I being a heir in the promise, I acquire the same blessing. That means that anything that I touch or do, it becomes internationally. It becomes of nations. Hallelujah. And I pray you've received that revelation. Amen. In Luke 19, 9, it says, And Jesus said to them, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. You know something? Sometimes Christians say, Oh, I really don't believe in the blessing of Abraham. I only believe in, you know, Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, you may be right at some point, but if the scriptures show that the blessing of Abraham is what connected us to Jesus Christ, and also us being connected to the blessing of Abraham, then there's something deep in this. You don't downplay it. You don't downplay and say, I'm not a son of Abraham. I don't know anything about that. Because the promises, the promises we receive, we receive from Jesus Christ, they come to us as seeds of Abraham. Amen. And I just love the fact that Abraham was not under the law. There is nowhere it is written in the scriptures that he was under the law even much as the Jews believe in, in him, right? But there is nowhere in the scriptures where it shows that Abraham was under the law. Abraham lived before the law. And that is why you find that Apostle Paul illustrates, he demonstrates so much of his examples based on Abraham, based on the promises of Abraham. Romans 4, 16 says that, Therefore, it is of faith that it may be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. These were the words of Apostle Paul. So the blessing was not only on the Jews. As per se, they, they always say that they were the blessed nation, the blessed, and yeah, that's right. But Apostle Paul is also revealing to us, we the Gentiles in Romans 4, that it's of faith that according to grace, we also receive that promise that I was talking about. And how was that possible? The according to grace means that it came to us, we as Gentiles, through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Through the high priest, through the mediator, through the son of God who stood in place for us. Many, as many said, oh, Gentiles are not blessed. And some would say, oh, they're the blessed ones. They're the only ones who receive the blessing from God. Jesus Christ came and changed all that. Amen. So the king of righteousness reveals so, so much to us in the new covenant towards us as believers with the Gentiles. He gave us that gift of righteousness. And on many occasions, I see that Apostle Paul, that is what was basically his message to the church, saying that he came for the Gentiles too. He gave them the gift of righteousness. So you and I, to be honest, today we're here speaking 
Today we walk in the grace message because of Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you go deeper in the word, this actually makes you so, so happy because you know surely you're blessed. You're blessed above blessings. You're multiplied above multiplication because Jesus Christ did it for you. Hallelujah. Amen. So Jesus Christ, when he endured, when he died on the cross, he blessed us. He blessed us with the Gentiles. He blessed us with the believers of today. He blessed us we who are not born in the lineage, in the natural way, right? In the genealogy of the Jews. But he considered us by faith. That is what it was written in Romans 4, 16. By faith, we became that. And it's that through the gift of righteousness we received from Jesus Christ that we too were considered the righteousness of God. Amen. So remember this child of God, no matter what you are, you may think you're unrighteous. You may think you're ungodly. You may think that you're the most sinful person on earth. As long as by the grace of God, you receive this gift of salvation, child of God. Everything that you have done, be it in old, be it in your present life or in your future circumstances, life changes because of the cross. So as I speak today, if you're listening to this sermon and you're not yet born again, I really pray that you reconsider your life. Your life choices, because the life choices that we have can also lead us to the wrong path. But once by the grace of God, you receive a revelation like this and you know for sure that Christ being on the cross, him being righteous, us being unrighteous, right? He took our unrighteous and we took his righteousness. So that means that we received from the king of righteousness. We received more blessings. We received multiplication. We received the increase. We received the glory of God. We received forgiveness. We received provision. We received wealth. We received health. We received wholeness. We received every single thing you can ever imagine. Amen. So it's only because of Jesus Christ, the high priest who took our sins who paid our sins with one sacrifice like this, being on the altar, that our life was changed and we acquired the gift of righteousness. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ, in him. Actually, the scripture says in him. But I would love to say in Christ Jesus, because this is really, really something important, child of God, for you to receive and for I also to walk in. I love Ephesians 2, 4. It says that I received the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in him. So it's just not a matter of receiving. It's also walking. Because once we walk, we take that word into applicability and into also practical ways. And the word works. Hallelujah. Hebrew 10, 12 says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, since forever sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus, our high priest, offered one sacrifice at the cross. And after his resurrection, when he arose and ascended to heaven, he sat at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ is the king of righteousness on the cross. He is 
the one who shed his blood for the remissions of our sins. So just as he blessed Abraham in Genesis 14, much as he blessed Abraham, right? With bread and wine, child of God, under the grace covenant, we received the true bread, which was his body. Under the grace covenant, we received true blood shed for us. And we partake of that real blood. Going back to what I was telling you earlier in John 6, 55, I want to borrow that scripture again. That it says that for my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drinking it. That was Jesus speaking. He was speaking then. And he says that he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I abide in him. Why would he say such words if they were not really important? If Holy Communion was not important to the King of Righteousness, to the King of Glory, to the King of Peace, to the King of Righteousness, if it was not that important, Holy Communion, why would he bring up something like this? Just the other day, I was meditating on this, Mr. Rekoshia Baba. I was meditating on this, and I was thinking of him being bruised and beaten and scourged. And to my, in deep in that revelation, I realized that as that was happening, my body was being put on his body. In that shame that he went through, I became shameless. In that pain that he was going through, I became painless. In that time when he was forgotten about when some people had given him in, others had lied about him, others have done things about him. He had given up on all that. But he said, I must do this. Must do this for someone coming in the future. And see, that is where you see that this whole message that Christ was telling us about his flesh and blood, it is deeper than we think about. It is deeper than us just singing about it in songs. It is way deeper than us only saying about it or preaching about it. This is something once you feed on it and it's just like food. And you take a moment and think about that body of his. I love how the Bible says in John, again, I think in John 6, right? When he came back to Pilate, when he looked at him, he said, behold this man. And at that moment, Jesus was filled in blood. It says that he had a crown on his head. The scripture says that he had a purple robe on him. Now, just imagine someone you've been beaten, 39 stripes on your back. How much blood was pouring? But he came and stood in front of the authorities. They were asking questions, but the scripture says that he was quiet. He was quiet. And that was him. And that was him. So, child of God, as God sent Jesus Christ, the King of Righteousness, those who believe in him by the grace of God, we must feed on him. As Abraham fed on him in Genesis 14, as he received the bread and wine from him, the same applies to us today. We receive of that bread of life. And I love the fact that the Bible says, considers him as the bread of life. Hallelujah. In the new covenant, this is very significant, child of God. And it signifies that offering. It signifies that offering of Jesus Christ's broken body. It signifies his blood that he shed at Calvary. 
which actually when you sit in revelation and you think about it, when he was being beaten, your body was being transformed in his body and his body was being given to your body. When he was put on the cross and his blood was going through his body, right? Every unrighteousness in your life was being put on him and his righteousness was put on you. So that divine connection transformed us, child of God. You and I listening in. It transformed us from being unrighteous to righteousness. Hallelujah. And it transformed him, the king of righteousness. And it transformed him from righteousness to unrighteousness. So he took our place. He took our place and we took his place. And that is why it is important, child of God, to know your identity in Jesus. To know who you are. As long as you know who you are and you see yourself in him, you will not be shaken by this world. Jesus Christ is our high priest under the grace covenant and he took our place. Amen. Romans 6. 6 9 says that for when we were still without strength in due time christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die but god demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners christ died for us amen while we were still sinners he died for us so much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So in other words, Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, blessed us, we believers, under the grace covenant with salvation, with righteousness, with redemption, with sanctification, wisdom from God, blessings such as health, prosperity, wholeness, preservation, protection, healing, peace. So as believers, child of God, we must receive this and walk in it. Let us come out of that place where we only receive, but then we don't walk. Receive it. Ephesians 2.4. Receive him. Receive the king of righteousness and then walk in the gift of righteousness. Without receiving him, then you won't understand the gift of righteousness that you have that is upon your life. He gave us the gift of righteousness through the divine exchange, the divine exchange of the cross. So it's through that transformation that child of God, we continue to seek his righteousness. It doesn't stop there. That is why I said walk, walk in righteousness. Hallelujah. So when we seek his righteousness, when we are continuing to walk, but we're walking in the gift of righteousness, seeking him in righteousness and continuing our lives in righteousness because remember once we know who we our identity that it is embedded in the righteousness of god we will continuously live that life so all things will continuously come to us be supplied to us be made available to us in his righteousness i think it's matthew 6 33 that says that but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And this scripture is talking to you, child of God. It is talking to you, dear listener. So you know that these are very important. This is really, really important for you. It is important for me as well. Because as long as we know that we're the righteousness of God, and we know that we're seeds of Abraham, 
And we know that Jesus Christ connected us to that blessing. And to know that truly through the king of righteousness, we always blessed by us receiving from him. His blessings continuously come to us and we receive everything in our lives through his righteousness. Then child of God, our lives are going to go from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from blessing to blessing, from honor to honor. Keep mentioning, keep going on. You say whatever you mean, anything you're talking, what you want to hear. You will be moving from glory to glory. Amen. Our God is a God of supply. The king of righteousness is a king who blesses. He doesn't take away, but he blesses. Can I show you something actually before we end our service? Let's go back to the scriptures in Genesis 14, right? And it says 21, Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Do you notice something different between the king of Salem who only offered bread and wine to Abraham and never asked for anything? But king of Sodom in verse 14:21, oh Rishabakusia, thank you, Holy Spirit. It says that now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. That means that other kings will always be taking from you, child of God, and they will not give on to you. It's only and only Jesus Christ, the king of righteousness, the high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, who will always and entirely for the rest of your life bless you without wanting anything in return. But the king of Sodom, here he was even asking for Abraham, telling him, take this portion, I'll take this portion. Like both of us have to get something out of this. And that is not how the kingdom works, child of God. The kingdom of the Lord blesses. That is why the grace covenant blesses. It pours. It multiplies. It increases. Hallelujah. And let's continue in verses 22 to see what Abraham said. Listen, it says, But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God, most high God, and possessor of heaven and earth, that in verses 23, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abraham rich. Now, child of God, what Abraham said was very, very important. Very critical for us to take home today. Do you notice that Abraham responded with reverence about God? King of Sodom, the enemy, was trying to divert him from his worship, telling him that now you have the possessions, you have wealth, you have riches, you have money on your bank account, you have all this. Let us share it. I can give you this much riches and for me I take this. And a lot of times, child of God, believers, sometimes when believers are being blessed, they take their eyes off the king of righteousness. Who has been their provision? They take the eyes off worshiping God and honoring him with their increase and multiplication and proceeds that he has given them. But Abraham didn't. I love the fact that he is actually correcting him. Telling him that I will not take anything 
that belongs to you. Because I know you will say that you're the one who made me rich. There's something to take care with us, child of God, about this. Abraham is teaching us that even when we become wealthy and rich, our honor and glory must all return to the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of righteousness, because he is the provision of our wealth and riches. It's not in our own ability. It's not in our own doing. It's not in, in anyone's doing apart from any other person. You may say, oh, I think I went to school. I studied all these degrees. That is why I can be able to have such and such a job in order to get such money. But that's not right. What actually he's showing us is that even if you're a business person, even if you are an engineer, you're someone, you're receiving 600 figures in a month, right? When I say 600 figures, I'm talking about in dollars, right? It does not mean that the qualifications you have or the credentials or the people you know or the family you're from is what gives you that. Abraham is telling him the possessions that I have, the riches that I have, I give glory unto the Lord because he is the one who has provided. And he's telling king of Sodom that I don't want you at any point in life to say that you made me rich. And that child of God should be our language. This should be the language we're speaking today. This should be the language we speak today, knowing that I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things are added unto my life. It's him that we honor. It's him that we bring our reverence unto. It's him that we worship with our tithe, with our holy communion, with everything in our lives. We honor him. Amen. And I keep telling my team in this ministry that don't ever put your eyes on me as a minister. Don't put your eyes on evangelists. Don't. As long as you do that, it limits you. But once you place your eyes on Christ, Christ enables you in every single aspect of your life, even in serving him. Serving him, once you place your eyes on Jesus and everything you're touching and doing, it sees the grace of God. It sees the blessing. It receives ease because you've decided not to put eyes on people, but you've placed your eyes on Christ. Anything you touch, it sees its grace. Amen. Abraham teaches us something very imperative to take child of God today. Remember what Isaiah called us the trees of righteousness. We are the branches of righteousness. Meaning that right now, as we partake of the blessing of Abraham, we're walking in Christ Jesus. We're walking in that blessing that Abraham received. So I pray that you all remember that the king of righteousness is blessing you starting this week. Walk in that blessing. And I pray that you remember that you live in a blessed covenant because grace has supplied it all for you. And I pray that Jesus Christ will continuously become the surety of that blessed covenant in this ministry. As we continue every single week, I pray that every single one of you will continue to walk in the blessing of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you. And I want to bless the name of the Lord, for there is no other God but you, Jesus. You're the King of glory, King of righteousness, King of peace, King of honor, King of love, King of wealth, King of kings. We thank you 
For you gave us that grace to receive part of the inheritance that Abraham received. And from today, as we receive this revelation, we honor our tithe unto you. We thank you for the provision. From today, our holy communion, taking bread and wine, we receive from you and partake in worshiping you. Jesus, we thank you. We honor you. We lift the name that is above every other name. Mountains bow down to that name. Nations bow down to that name. Creation bows down to that name. The name Jesus is greater than it all. In Jesus' name we pray and say, Amen. I want to take a moment to pray for someone who says, I really want to renew my life with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to know the Lord more. And uh, for those who are saying, I've listened to this sermon and I've heard, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about and I want to give my life to him. I want to say, let's say this prayer all together for those who say that you're under the two categories of people that are mentioned. Say, Heavenly Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, today I believe and confess with my mouth that I am saved by the grace of God, not through my works or effort. I am forever justified by faith through your grace. Jesus, you were delivered for my, for all my past, present, and future sins, and you were raised for my justification. From today, I renounce my old man and nature because it was crucified with you at the cross. I now live and walk in the newness of life in Christ Jesus. I am born of Christ. I believe and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Welcome to the greatest gift of salvation. You are now a new creature. All things have passed away. Please, child of God, I pray, find a local church in your community that preaches the gospel of grace and truth and be in church. Amen. Listen to the word. Listen to the gospel. Listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's also important for you to be in a church. And I pray that by the grace of God, that in whatever country you're listening in from, whatever community you're in, you find a church that really preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I believe that it's through this that you will grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We thank God and we honor him. We give glory to him and bless his name. It's only through him that we get to rejoice in this gift of salvation and righteousness. Amen. May God keep you well this coming week. May you enjoy his blessings and grace. I love you so much. Bye.